Hello, my name is Scott, and here is a podcast for the sermon to be preached on the 7th of November at St. Mary's Church in Richmond. May these words be pleasing. Amen. I realised there was something wrong with my tooth last Sunday. It just wasn't right. It seemed uh, to me to be breaking. It was uh, a little sore, and as the week began, it was starting to be quite painful. I rang the dentist and managed to get an appointment just to have a look at it. And I got a slot to go in on Wednesday, rather pleasingly at uh, 2.30. Have you ever made a mistake and someone else uh, suffers? I often seem to manage to do this and it's not a great feeling when it happens. Well, on Wednesday, I was almost relieved that it was someone else who had made the mistake. It went like this. Um, Nowadays, uh, because of COVID, at the dentist, one stands outside and waits to be called in. The sign on the door says, there is no need to knock. Someone will come and get you. On Wednesday, I arrived on time at 2.30 and it was quite cold. In fact, it was raining. Sadly, therefore, I was not called in immediately. It was good to talk to others outside before they, each in turn, were called in out of the rain. I was not. By quarter past three, in the rain, I rang the dentist. Thank goodness for mobile phones. Was there a problem? It turned out there was. Somebody had mistakenly put me into the book on the wrong Wednesday. I was ushered in, cold and very wet. A dentist was found who sat me down, but even then did not see me immediately. Instead, she fussed over my notes and discussed them with the nurse, whilst they both also discussed who had made the mistake. She eventually came across and warned that if there was a problem with a tooth, a different appointment would need to be made, and this could be in a few weeks' time. My feeling was... this was a bit more immediate. Finally, she looked into my mouth and it was almost a reassuring, ah, and a hmm. Immediately, arrangements were made. The tooth taken out on Friday. Something of the immediate in today's readings. And they point us to the immense and immediate love of God, both into the next life, but also now. We start with a short, pacey story of Jonah, Jonah and the whale. It is a story full of silliness and nonsense, but it challenges us to choose. Consider the bigger story of God. Is this silly? Or is the nonsensical love of God actually real and immediate? How well do we remember the story of Jonah? God sends his prophet, his spokesman, on a mission. He sends Jonah to a godless nation of foreigners way up in Nineveh. In Old Testament times, this was unbelievable. Why would the prophet of God be sent to the enemies of God? That's silly. What does the prophet Jonah do? The representative of God. 
He runs away from God. Unbelievable. He would not do that. He takes a boat to sail far to the west, and the boat he takes to get far, far away is ensnared in a storm. We know from the story that the story has been sent by God. It's not Jonah, God, who recognises this. It's the foreign and simple sailors. They realise that the storm has been sent by the God of Jonah. That's unbelievable. They have their own gods. Jonah works out. He realises that he needs to be thrown overboard if the ship and the cargo is to be saved. But the sailors do not want to do this. Unbelievable. They would want to save their own skins. But Jonah insists that they throw him overboard. Illogical. He could simply have jumped overboard by himself. In desperation, the sailors finally throw Jonah overboard. And Jonah is famously swallowed by a great fish, the whale sent by God. That's unbelievable. Whales have got even less teeth than I've got. Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Unbelievable and very smelly. The fish spewed Jonah out upon the dry land, also very smelly. And why would a hungry fish do that? Jonah, the prophet of God, reluctantly gets up and goes to Nineveh, the city of foreign unbelievers, a city so vast to be three days' walk across. Unbelievable. Even modern London, is not as big as that. Jonah, one man from a country far, far away, tells the vast numbers of people in Nineveh that his God is about to destroy them. We reach the most unbelievable part of this fishy tale. The great city immediately repents. Even the king repents. For who knows, Jonah's God may relent and change his mind. Even the animals are made to wear sackcloth. Unbelievable. This is a silly little story. A precious gem. Plot is deliberately daft, but the message is seriously important and wonderful. God's love is immense, immeasurable. God is mindful of everyone, even the foreign Ninevites. God accepts everyone, cares for everyone, not just in some far-off future when we die, but now. God, yes, loves everyone into eternity, and this includes now. God's love is immense, immeasurable, immediate, There's a, a picture that uh, is on Sunday's PowerPoint of a small church in Manhattan, surrounded by vast skyscrapers. The book of Jonah is like that. It's a small book, surrounded by much bigger books in the Old Testament. Sometimes the much bigger books have been interpreted so as to make God's love exclusive. 
Only a few are loved, are chosen. Only a few are saved. And for what reason? It might be who their parents were, their bloodline. It might be the rules and commandments that they followed when others didn't. The sacrifices that they made when others didn't. And written at a time when the loudest voices were calling for more exclusivity and less acceptance and tolerance of others. Little books like Jonah, and you may also know the book of Ruth, were calling for more acceptance, more tolerance, more grace, more love. How useful in our world of increasing intolerance. New dogmas, each with their own new heresies. Forgive me, each with their own new heresies with which to pull down and destroy others, with no right of appeal except to match hate with hate, new bonfires to light on antisocial media. People uh, seem to be offended immediately, people are condemned immediately. The immediacy of love. Here and now, God's love to us, God's love echoed through us. The Gospel of Mark proclaims the good news of a God who loves now and here and does so immediately. Bishop Helen Ann uh, writes notes on the Sunday Gospel. She writes about the distinctive features of Mark's Gospel and the frequent use of the word immediately. She talks about everything happening at great speed. Um, the, this urgency first in the lips of John the Baptist, the time is now, repent and believe. And she relates this to the climate conference in Glasgow, the need now for the kingdom of God is upon us. Simon and Andrew were called by Jesus and they went immediately. James and John were called by Jesus and they went immediately. This will have seen to their family and friends as unbelievable. And yet, their choice to choose the nonsensical love of God, they, their choice was to choose to follow this nonsensical love of God found in Jesus. Why would he love them? Why does God love us? But we sing, we say, Christ has died. Christ is come now. Christ will come again. A word now about joy. Our friend Joy Hornsby, who died this week, I mentioned on Safeguarding Sunday that Gillian and I washed up here upon the dry land at St. Mary's 21 years ago. I didn't really feel worthy of welcome, but we received an immediate welcome. And Joy was very much part of that immediate welcome. Joy was a reader. She preached many sermons, both here and elsewhere. It is sometimes said that preachers have one sermon, one message, one important headline, that underpins and filters through into most of their sermons. 
no, I don't know if that's true, but I do know that at least one of Joy's headlines was a desire and prayer to see God's kingdom done now. Martin, last week, gave us a very carefully written sermon about life after death. He shared the thoughts of theologians such as Tom Wright. The text of the sermon is on our website and is definitely worth a revisit, a re-read. And it is right in this season of remembrance and kingship of Christ that we take time to think of our eternal future with Christ and with each other in God's kingdom to come. But Joy's headline, I think, was also in the prayer, thy kingdom come now, in this world now, today, immediately, in the transformation of unjust structures in society, in this season of remembering, to also to remember and to serve the forgotten, the poor, the hopeless, the marginalised, to offer a welcome to all. Jesus called Simon and Andrew. He called James and John. And they followed immediately to witness Christ and in the service of others. May we, when we have the opportunities to echo the love of Christ. May we do so immediately to witness to Christ in the service of others. Amen.